Welcome in. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you guys very much for tuning in today. It's been a minute. Um, quickly before I ramble into story time. Uh, find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at PrimetimeKlein. Twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. Announcement about that coming up a little bit later. Uh, also, you can find all the interviews for this show on YouTube. YouTube. I was going to say YouTube.com slash, I don't know. It's a bunch of letters. I need to get to a, a certain level of uh, subscribers, I believe, before we can get an actual customized thingy on there. Uh, so just search Primetime Klein or Couch Potato Diary. So where have I been? A um, couple of weeks ago, we went to Vancouver. It was an amazing trip, but I decided to, I, I had recorded a couple of things to play throughout, uh, but then hotel Wi-Fi being what it is, didn't necessarily go that great. So uh, we will be hearing from Michael Short coming up later this week on the Canelo Alvarez fight that's a couple weeks old now, but it was still uh, a fun discussion about that one. So it'll sound a little dated when uh, we finally get to play it, but we will be playing it for you. And then uh, last week I was under the weather and was concerned that it was COVID, got a COVID test both in the nose and mouth, which was not something I'd recommend. Uh, turns out it was negative. So I just had one of those uh, man colds that everyone makes fun of us about, and it completely knocked me on my ass. And you can probably still hear that I'm a little bit stuffed up. So decided to just take the week off so that I wasn't sniffling in your guys' uh, ears. And yesterday wasn't 100%. I don't think I am today either, but a lot closer and have a lot more energy. So excited to run through this one today. Announcement. One of the things that I have kind of let slide over the last little bit, and I feel bad about this, is uh, my Movember page. It is in every link that I share, so check it out. Uh, I am well short of my, well, not well short, but I am, I am short of my $500 goal, and thus, coming up this weekend, we'll be doing a video game marathon on twitch.tv slash primetimepk. My plan is for it to be a wrestling video game marathon. I have a bunch of old wrestling video games on the N64 that I would love to, to to bring out for this occasion. I'm admittedly, as we're getting closer to this, a little worried that an N64 will be able to last 24 hours and not just erupt into flames at some point. So I'm going to have backup plans available, but the idea is to do a video game marathon coming up this weekend. I'll have the specifics coming up a little bit later on, uh, but that is the plan right now. So make some plans for Friday night into Saturday afternoon to check us out on twitch.tv slash primetimepk. And again, all these things that we talk about the podcast uh my social media channels especially on instagram i don't do a ton on there and i'm gonna try to be better about that um i'm also on tiktok at primetime klein as well if you want to i'm pretty sure that's what that is i'll check later um but yeah i just i want to want to start growing things so subscribe like follow anything that you can do to to help support the show i really want to get this thing into another gear we grew for a bit and now we've kind of leveled off and i don't like that so i'm going to try to change that a bunch has happened since the last time I spoke with you guys. So this is going to be uh, a, 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 another rapid fire type of a show on a few different subjects. Have to start in the NFL as week 11 is now in the books. We are just a couple of days away from week 12 with American Thanksgiving. But let's run through what we've seen from this last week from the National Football League. The New England Patriots with a 25-0 win over the Atlanta Falcons. And I... Definitely have to wave the white flag. I was wrong. The Patriots are a better team than I thought. I do not think that 
with the way they run their offense, that this is a team that can go far in the playoffs. But it is clear, when you look at the AFC and the the, the potential playoff teams right now, like the, the teams that are in the postseason as of today, Titans, Ravens, Pats, uh, Chiefs, Bengals, Chargers, Bills. The Patriots are not out of place in there. I personally... Like, they're definitely ahead of the Bengals, and then the rest of them we can make an argument. The Titans, as currently constructed, and I think we'll see this on Sunday, are not where the Patriots are at. But the the other ones, like, I, I don't, I still don't put them ahead of Baltimore. I still don't put them ahead of Kansas City. I don't put them ahead of the Chargers. And we'll get to the Bills, but I, I don't think I put them ahead of the Bills. But then you look at the teams that are on the outside of the playoff race. Steelers, Colts, Browns, Raiders, Broncos, um, and we'll throw the Dolphins in there, too. The Patriots are better than all of those teams. So this is clearly a playoff team in the AFC. Mac Jones, I am still not 100% sold on, but he is good enough at doing what the Patriots are asking him to do to have this team be successful. On the Atlanta Falcons side, this team is just... They're in a really bad way right now, and I don't know what the foundation is that they are building upon. I believe Calvin Ridley is very good. I believe that Kyle Pitts is going to be very good. And then aside from that, I don't know what pieces you have once you start this kind of teardown. And I don't think Matt Ryan is getting you much in terms of draft capital if you are going to to start to tear this thing down. The Falcons are in a tough spot, and I I actually think it's probably going to be a bit before the Falcons are good again. And while I think Pitts is good, you look at the the draft class that we we have in the NFL. um, Should the... Should the Falcons have taken a quarterback instead of the tight end? Now, there was no tight end better. And if you were looking at just talent, maybe there was no talent. Maybe there's no player more talented than Kyle Pitts. But this is a team that's probably going to be in search of a quarterback for a very long time now. And that's, it's a tricky spot to be in. We've talked before about don't just take a quarterback, just take a quarterback. But I, I, I think I would rather have had Justin Fields in that spot, but to each their own. Moving into the Sunday slate, my birthday, by the way, uh, the San Francisco 49ers have win over Jacksonville. There isn't a whole lot to this. San Francisco is good. Jacksonville isn't. San Francisco at 5-5. Five and five. We are going to need a strong finish to the season from San Francisco if we're going to hit that over. They have seven games left. I believe we took over 10.5, maybe over 9.5. Ooh. Not not feeling fantastic about that. And Jacksonville just sucks. Um, there, I don't think there is a whole lot to read into that one. Washington with a 27-21 win over Carolina. It's neat that Cam Newton is back. But I think in that fourth quarter, you saw the flaws of Cam Newton. Where it, it's, it's great when he's running read option and he can actually run. Or if it's just like quick little check downs or whatever. But two minutes down by six, and that offense didn't have a sniff. And that was a bit of a concern. I think Cam Newton is better than the alternative. I don't think he's better than Sam Darnold. I think those claims are a little out there. But Sam Darnold has certainly taken a step back in my eyes this year. But I I, I don't. I, I think Carolina is definitely going to fall off here. And for Washington, that's a, a good win for a football team that is just kind of hanging around now at 4-6 and six in an NFC East that is not entirely over, but I, I think it's out of reach for them. The important thing here now is, is Heineke a dude? I don't think he is, and we'll see what Washington's going to be looking to do in the offseason at the quarterback spot. Green Bay with a 31-34 loss to the Minnesota Vikings, and this is... Okay, I have been down on the Vikings all season long, so I want to say something positive about them as they pick up a win here. 
aside from the quarterback and I think the coach, this is an incredibly good football team. Like Jefferson is already in the top five for receivers in the league. Delvin Cook is probably in the top three for running backs in the league. Adam Thielen as a second wide receiver option is incredible. And I think you have a defense that can make some plays if you need them to, although the defense hasn't really been there a whole lot this season. The problem is the thing that I left out, like the, the coach and the quarterback thing, super important parts of a team. And you look at it again, and this is why I, I I push back on the Minnesota Vikings talk that, oh, well, this is one of the best three and five teams in the league, and they've won a couple in a row, so they're now five and five. But all of this, oh, well, a couple bounces go their way, and maybe this team is six and two. You can go through almost every NFL team, with the exception of Jacksonville. And even Jacksonville, I'm sure you could look at a couple early plays and games that throw them off. But for most teams in the league, that's the thing. And that is what separates good from great, is consistency. And not having, oh, well, if a couple of things go, don't go their way. Well, don't put yourself in that position. And here again was another example of where that could have happened. And this is one that goes their way. So if you're going to point to, oh, well, if they don't miss a whatever, or they don't do da 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 They were losing against Detroit with like 10 seconds left, and they kick a field goal to win. And this one, the game is tied. Kirk Cousins throws an interception. The game is over for them, because Aaron Rodgers is 1,000% going to get you the 30 yards that you need. And then maybe St. Crosby might miss a field goal. But they're probably going to lose. The interception just comes back. It is not because Kirk Cousins threw an amazing pass and the defensive player just made an incredible play on the ball and just about had the interception. No, it was a bad pass that should have been intercepted, but you can't really fault the defensive back because he did have to make a pretty good play on it, but not because of the great ball placement, because like a better throw gets intercepted. If you are going to point at the, well, I mean, look, if this a couple of ounces go their way, then you have to also adjust for, hey, a couple of things went their way because they should not have won this game the way the, the last part of that fourth quarter went down, but they come away with a victory. I don't think the whole team sucks. I just think the most important parts of it aren't very good. Cleveland 13, Detroit 10 uh, for Detroit. The story of their starting quarterback in this game, Boyle, is actually a little hilarious. Tim Boyle is his name. He threw one touchdown pass in college. Uno. One. Yeah, if you Google Tim Boyle, it's not even Tim Boyle stats NFL that come up. It is Tim Boyle stats college because no one can believe that his collegiate stats are actually accurate. In his time at UConn from 2013 to 2015, he had one touchdown pass and 13 interceptions. Now, he, after taking a year off, goes to Eastern Kentucky University to play for the Colonels and throws 11 touchdown passes and 13 interceptions. So for his collegiate career from 2013 to 2017, he has 12 touchdown passes and 26 interceptions. However, he somehow makes his way onto an NFL roster, signing as an undrafted free agent with the Green Bay Packers, and they liked his arm strength, so he makes a 53-man roster. That is the most mind-blowing thing I have heard in my life. And this is, like, it, I, I can't, I just, I can't. I can't believe that Tim Boyle 
has an NFL job, and now he's starting games, not for a good team, but he is starting games for the Detroit Lions. Um, wow. And that's all you can, like, to, I think Detroit is going to win one. They might even win this week. This week might be the week that the, the Lions get one. I don't think this is going to be a winless team. Um, they're obviously not going to go 0-17. They get a tie against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which, again, it's hilarious how quickly people forget things about Pittsburgh. But for the Cleveland Browns, this is trouble. Because uh, it was Jason Logan of Covers.com, who we've had on the show, who said that Baker looks like he's throwing into a strong wind. That is a very good summary of the Baker Mayfield experience. He clearly looks hurt, but there's just there, there is decision-making and everything that goes into him. I've said it before, Cleveland has a really interesting decision to make over the next little bit. Because I think the way Baker is playing right now, he is a below-average quarterback. And I think at his peak, he is slightly above average. Like, I don't even think he treads into the territory of good. I think you can build an offense around him that can help him out. But if you're not going to do that when he's on his rookie deal, when are you going to be able to do it? So I am I am very much taking the Cleveland Browns out of my take-them-seriously um pile, I guess. One of the surprises of the day, the Indianapolis Colts with a 41-15 win over the Buffalo Bills. Jonathan Taylor just ate these guys alive. And this is, I think, a concerning result for Buffalo because their big thing is they're supposed to be able to stop you on defense. And they didn't. Again, Taylor lit them up. They couldn't get Carson Wentz down. He converted on a couple of long third down plays that really hurt the Buffalo Bills in this one. Josh Allen is having some problems right now, and the whole, oh, well, they're it's cover two, and they're putting a lid on top of it. I, I The Kansas City Chiefs have, are, are going to figure that out, I think. The Buffalo Bills are the ones that I'm concerned about because Josh Allen does not have the patience to do the checkdown game. And we've seen Mahomes get frustrated and not have the patience to do it either. But Josh Allen, like he just, he is not accurate enough underneath to be able to just dink and dunk. And he's not patient enough to try to do that. You look at uh, Emmanuel Sanders has some of the biggest um, ADOT, which is average depth of target in the National Football League. This team likes to push the ball down the field. They can't really run, which is what you need to do against cover two. And... They're not really built for the short underneath stuff. So th- this is this is a Bills team that really needs to get things figured out. They have a, a Thursday night game here against New Orleans. I think they'll be fine in that game. But this is not the, like, just an unstoppable force that we thought we were going to get from Buffalo at the beginning of the season. And this is a, a cautionary tale, really. Because there, there's a lot of times, how many times? So many. Where we have seen, oh, this is a young team. They'll be back. Oh, Josh Allen? He'll be back. Football is not linear. Football is just a series of small sample sizes, and then you retire. That's basically it. it. It's Sometimes it works. Sometimes we get Mahomes from year one to year two to year three, and he is just the best. But it's why I, I cautioned after the first year of Mahomes when EA had him as the best quarterback in the league. I was like, this might be the most talented football player I've ever seen. I need to see it for at least two years. And that's the thing with Josh Allen. I, I don't think he is as inconsistent as he has been this season, but I don't think he's as consistent as he was last year. And to, to just bank on that year after year, you really have to take advantage of your opportunities when you have them, which is why I always love when teams like the Rams just go for it because you are not it is not guaranteed to just progress into next season. Too much can change in football. The Saints lose 40-29 to to the Philadelphia Eagles. I said going into the season, the most important thing for the Eagles was figuring out if they have a guy in Jalen Hurts. 
I don't know if they have like a guy, capital letters, franchise quarterback, but they have at least, they at least have a dude who can be there for a bit, you know, like he is at least good enough that he can get them places. And now it gets troublesome when you have to sign him to bigger contracts because then you can't surround him with those guys. But I, I think there is at least something there with Jalen Hurts now. Again, they are constructing an offense around him and it is much more run-based than I think they want to play. So we'll see if they have the patience to do that. And we'll see what it looks like if this team gets down. How can they come back? But I, I think Jalen Hurts has actually benefited from his experience this season. And going into, a, again, a draft, Philadelphia has three draft picks, I believe, right? They have the Colts one and I want to say there's a Dolphins one in there. Um, but yeah, they... Yeah, it was the was it Jalen Waddle? Anyway, I'm rambling now. Um, the the thing is, like, they have three first round picks this year, but there isn't really a quarterback that stands out as like, okay, this guy is definitely better than Jalen Hurts. So you can at least go with it for another couple of years until that guy pops up, and then just trade a thousand draft picks for him or whatever, or use these three draft picks, build around your quarterback, and see if you can build a sustainable team to go forward, which is obviously the best way to go about things. For New Orleans, I think this thing's running out of steam. Like Sean Payton, we were talking early in the season about potential coach of the year uh, things, but now no Thomas, no Kamara. You've now lost Jameis Winston for the season. Trevor, uh, uh, Trevor Simeon clearly ain't it. I don't think Taysom Hill is it either, no matter how many contract extensions they give him. This is a New Orleans Saints team that I think starts to fade a little bit from the playoff picture. Dolphins with a 24-17 win over the New York Jets. I continue to be perplexed by the Miami Dolphins not pushing the ball down the field with Tua. There is clearly a lack of trust there with this quarterback. But I I think we've seen over the last few weeks, Tua's good. I don't think he's great. I don't know if he is tank for Tua, franchise-changing quarterback guy. But again, if I'm the Dolphins, I don't know if I'm taking on the headache of Deshaun Watson just for the improvement over Tua. If Deshaun didn't have all the stuff going on in his personal life that he does, then I probably would be advocating for that move. But we have seen this is a flawed team. But again, when we look at the AFC and we look at the AFC wildcard picture, the teams that Miami is currently tied or in in the same area as they are a game and a half back of Denver and the Raiders. They are two and a half games out of a playoff spot, two and a half games back of the bills. And also the Browns Colts and Steelers are in there. I think the dolphins like they, they aren't out of place in that group. Now, are they going to make a ton of noise if they make it in the playoffs? Are they even going to make the playoffs? Probably not, but this is, I, I think this is a better dolphins team than they've shown over the last little bit, but I don't think they're as good. I, I certainly know. They're not as good as I thought they were going to be coming into this season. The Baltimore Ravens with a 16-13 win over the Chicago Bears. Matt Nagy being asked questions about his job this week. People saying, um, have you heard that you're going to be fired? That's always a weird question. Of course not. But this is a bad, bad loss, man. Like for a Bears team that were probably out of it anyway. But if they were going to not be out of it, uh, we've been talking about the AFC playoff picture a lot. NFC right now, five and five gets you in a win in this game. And the bears are four and six. Like you are right there. And the team, again, the teams you're battling with are the Falcons, the football team, the Panthers, the Eagles, the 49ers, the saints and the Vikings. Who's blowing you away in that group. Again, I don't think the bears are very good. I think their coach is really bad, but this was kind of a, your season is on the line game. And I get Justin Fields got hurt, but 
don't talk to me about injuries when the Baltimore Ravens come into your place with Tyler Huntley and pick up a win. Tyler Huntley out of Utah coming in with no weapons to throw to. Every running back they've ever had has been injured. And they come out of there with a 16-13 win. That is an awful, awful loss for the Bears. And I I don't think it's a lock that they beat the Detroit Lions coming up on Thursday in the uh, in the first Thanksgiving Day game. Things are going bad for the Bears. And for the Ravens, that is a massive win for the Baltimore Ravens. You get any win right now without your starting quarterback there, the a- AFC North is tight. I think the Ravens are clearly the most talented team. But we've talked about it. They are dealing with injuries. They are a run-first team that's had a bunch of run uh, running backs go down. To pick up a win, to stay half a game out of first place in the AFC and stay a game ahead of the Bengals and a game and a half ahead of the Steelers in the AFC North, massive, massive win. And a huge, huge, huge boost to the Baltimore Ravens. And honestly, I think we need to be talking about Harbaugh as coach of the year. The Houston Texans with a 22-13 win over the Tennessee Titans. They were making a big deal out of this on Red Zone. And of course, like it's it's a pretty monumental win when you have the, the top team in the AFC lose to the bottom team in the AFC. But they're saying, this could be the biggest upset of the season. Eh, probably not. I, I don't think it is. Um, and that's not... No disrespect to the Tennessee Titans, but this is the Tennessee Titans without Derrick Henry, without Julio Jones. A.J. Brown goes down with an injury. The The Titans were a first-place team by record only, and it's been, it's been special that they've been able to somehow pick up wins even without Derrick Henry and to go through this stretch of games where they beat the Bills, they beat Kansas City. Like, th- those are four real wins, but you had to think at some point there was a banana peel coming with how beat up this team is. So to call it the upset of the year, eh, I don't think so. Is it an upset for sure, but for Tennessee, like there's real concerns here because of how banged up this team is and everyone gets hurt right after the trade deadline. So all they can do is try to fill in the gaps with guys like Adrian Peterson and, and those types of players. They are still two games up on the uh, Indianapolis Colts, and really it's two and a half games up because of the um, because they hold the tiebreaker over the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts schedule the rest of the way. Bucks this week, then at Texans, uh, and then they close out the season. Patriots, Cardinals, Raiders, Jags. You pretty well if you're going to pick up two more games, you pretty well have to run the table, I think. And I just I don't see them being able to do that with a couple of key games in there. But we'll see. It's it's a tough loss for the Titans, but this kind of felt it felt like one of these was coming based on all the injuries they had there. Bengals with a 32-13 win over the Vegas Raiders. I think we need to really reassess where the Raiders are right now. Um I I wasn't buying it coming into the season, even when they were playing very well. I was not buying it based off of the the talent on this team. And then you have John Gruden go away. And I, I think that's a positive. But then you have the situation with Henry Ruggs. And just emotionally at some point, that has to be too much, right? Like there's just, this team has gone through so much emotionally this season that it's tough for them to really get back that spark that they had earlier in the year. So I I think the Raiders are definitely down another tier and the Bengals, this is a good win for them. And Joe Burrow didn't have his best day, but Joe Mixon did. And they just bullied the Raiders in the second half of this game. It was 16, 13 at one point. And then Joe Mixon just absolutely took this game over. 
Dallas Cowboys fall to the Kansas City Chiefs 19-9. Certainly not the shootout we thought it was going to be when we saw the total come in at 56. But I think there's a lot you can take away from this game. I think for Kansas City, we have had so much turnover atop the AFC, right? Like in one week, Buffalo is clearly the best team. Okay, well, no, no, it's definitely Baltimore. All right, hey, maybe is it Cincinnati? Well, maybe it's back to being Tennessee. We've kind of circled back around where I think we're at the point where Kansas City is the top team in the AFC once again. And maybe it's Baltimore. That was a good win for them this week, but we'll, we'll see the, the health of them. But for Kansas City, again, it's still only 19 points and Patrick Mahomes didn't look great. But even with no C.D. Lamb and no Amari Cooper, this is still a dangerous Dallas Cowboys offense. And I thought the Chiefs defense actually looked pretty good. This is a strong, strong win for Kansas City. And I think one, it is one that makes me feel better about this team being able to make a run into the postseason. Kansas City right now sitting at 7-4. and four. That is only one game back of the Titans. I think this is definitely a Kansas City team that needs that bye week. I, I don't think, I, I think they would win the wildcard game. Right now they're set up against Cincinnati. They would win that game, right? Like that, that one, that one is not necessarily concerning. But then three straight, or I guess it would be two more road games after that. Uh, it would probably be at the Titans, and then the way the standings are right now, either at Baltimore or at New England, that's just a lot to ask of this team as they are trying to figure out some struggles. I think giving them a bye week and giving them an opportunity to figure out what the hell is going on with this team, they have a bye week this week. I think this is going to be a very important bye week for this club. But then you look at the schedule the rest of the way, home Broncos, home Raiders, at Chargers, which is basically a home game, home Steelers, at Bengals, at Broncos. That is definitely a schedule they can run the table on and make a real push for first place in this division. I think you give Andy Reid, uh, Andy Reid, sorry, this bye week to go th over things and really look at where is his team struggling because teams don't, as much as we say, oh, they need to figure it out. They spend a lot of time trying to figure out the other team. I think this is going to be a good bye week for Andy Reid to sit down, figure out what he has on his team, figure out what the heck has gone wrong with this squad, and figure things out after that. I, I think that the, the Chiefs are ready for a big-time run here in the AFC. Cardinals with a 23-13 win over the Seattle Seahawks. It's over for Seattle. Russell Wilson came back too quickly from his injury, and this team just doesn't have it. For Arizona, to pick up two wins without Kyler, and they're probably going to get him back after the bye, as it sits right now, they are first place. They are a game ahead of the Green Bay Packers, so they will be first place going into or coming out of the bye. To stay in that spot without Kyler Murray is a massive win. And then even have DeAndre Hopkins for this, or Chase Edmonds. Like this is a team that has been dealing with injuries and they've just kept on going. This defense is for real, and it's a pretty good offensive game plan from Cliff Kingsbury that has got this team. To this point. So a guy who I was not high on coming in now may have to look at him again as a potential coach of the year. And on Sunday night, it was the Chargers, the 41-37 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are another team, man, where they could have the most putrid, awful game that you have seen all season long and then come back and lose, admittedly, an impressive loss. It's like when Michael Jordan struck out in Space Jam and the guy said, yeah, you might, you might strike out, man, but you strike out in style. Admittedly, there are style points to this loss, but they still lost. And everyone just, oh, well, hey, are the Steelers back? No, 
No, they're not back. Ben can't throw the ball 10 yards down the field. You, you have, and again, this is another Minnesota situation. Except I think Mike Tomlin's a good coach. I know there are some that don't. I do. But you have an incredibly talented football team. This defense is still pretty good. Banged up for sure. But on paper, this is a good defense. The receiving core is excellent. The running back is really, really good. You just don't have a quarterback that is able to take advantage. This could be a Super Bowl team if they would have figured out the quarterback position this year. Because we knew Ben was going to suck. And he has. He was good enough to just lose. And the Steelers have been good enough to hang around in this playoff race at 5-4-1. and one. Looking at the Steelers' schedule the rest of the way, they have at Bengals this week, home Ravens, at Vikings, home Titans, at Chiefs, home Browns, at Ravens. I think this is a Steelers team that falls off. I still think this is a team that misses the playoffs. I just... I don't know how you can watch Ben each and every week and watch, like, the results, they are getting some, for sure. But the process of it, it just looks so painful. I don't know how you can go into that and think, oh yeah, this guy's got it. On the Chargers side, that this is a win that they probably lose a couple of years ago. You hope that this is a win that lets them kind of unlock more of what Justin Herbert can do in this offense because it just, they are so, everyone t- talks about how aggressive this team is because they go for it on fourth down. They wouldn't have to go for it on fourth down nearly as much if in the early downs, they would just let Justin Herbert go. And there have been a couple of mistakes that he's made, but they they are coaching Justin Herbert as if they have Mac Jones. And you don't, you have one of the, I would say top three most talented quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I just, I, I don't get it. I, I really, really don't get what they're doing there. Uh, we do have Monday Night Football to still go through, but there is some news coming out as I'm recording the podcast. Field Yates reporting that the Tennessee Titans have waived Adrian Peterson, so we can expect a video package coming out this week. Um, but J.J. Zacharyson, the, the first one that I'm seeing on Twitter, um, suggesting maybe this is a Philip Lindsay destination. I, I think that would be a great move for Tennessee. I have not, I, I did not like how the Houston Texans were utilizing Philip Lindsay. I still think he is a talented running back. I, I think that that could be, I think that could be a pretty good boost for the Tennessee Titans if they were to go out and add a Philip Lindsay. That is probably the best you can do at the running back position right now. Monday Night Football it was the Buccaneers with a 30-10 win over the Giants. This one was never close. The first shoe drops today in what we've been talking about on this show for a while in talking about the Giants um, having to completely reshuffle. Jason Garrett is out. I I would imagine he has to get a position coach job before he is an, a coordinator or a coordinator on a bad team. Because um, it's... It, now, he just was, to be fair. But, like, they're, they're just... There isn't a whole lot of talent there, but he's not using the talent that is there to the best of its capabilities. It sounds like Freddie Kitchens is going to be the man in charge of the offense. It's an upgrade, but to what extent, I don't know. Again, we've talked about this at length. This is a a New York Giants team that needs to start over. Gettleman has probably got an extra year that he should have. Joe Judge... I think Joe Judge might end up being just a fall guy in this. He might be a good coach. There just wasn't enough around this team. But there's a lot of undisciplined things that they are doing there as well. And Daniel Jones is not the answer. And I, I have been saying this. And then any he's another one. Anytime there's a good week, he gets three weeks of positive vibes off of it. it it's just not there. And we're going to look back at this experiment of drafting Saquon Barkley at number two. 
and not really surrounding him with anything in the next year, getting the quarterback, Daniel Jones. But again, this is a team that has offensive line issues and the defense got carved up. Like this is, this is not a good roster that this is it for big blue. I, I think that it is once again, time to start over and for the bucks, they beat a bad team. Congratulations. Music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. We are into the postseason now in the Canadian Football League. The semifinals this weekend out west. It is Saskatchewan against Calgary. Out east, it is Hamilton taking on Montreal. We'll have previews of that coming up a little bit later on this week. I don't want to go too in-depth on the playoff matchups today. still want to do a little bit more research on them before we really get into things. But I do want to talk about the the teams that aren't in, because I think there are some decisions that need to be made now. And one team already made them. Edmonton cleaned house, fired everybody. President, general manager, head coach, all gone. It is a new era for the Edmonton Elks, one year after it was a new era for the Edmonton Elks. Looking at the jobs that are available right now, you have... Edmonton and Ottawa both have general manager positions open. Ottawa has said they're keeping Paul Lapolis, and it sounds like everyone is staying with the BC Lions, which I don't, which, which I don't necessarily disagree with. But I think right now, if you're looking at the Edmonton job against the Ottawa job, I probably would rather have the Edmonton job. I, I think Ottawa, you are basically starting from scratch in Ottawa. I... I'm sure there are a couple of pieces that are are fine, but the the most important piece is the quarterback position, and they just don't have it. In Edmonton, you could argue that they don't, but I, I think Nick Arbuckle is a guy. I, I think Nick Arbuckle has an opportunity to be a quarterback that can help win you some games in the Canadian Football League. I don't see that on, on Ottawa's roster because of that, and there are a few more veterans on the Edmonton team. Like, this was an Edmonton team that was supposed to win this year. I don't know if there are a ton of untalented players on this team. I think there are at least pieces to work with, and then you can either try to build on them or trade them away, accumulate some assets, and grow from there. Rebuilding the CFL should not take very long, so we'll see what Edmonton is able to do. But I think the Edmonton job, just based off of Nick Arbuckle, is probably the more attractive destination. Now, how many quality coaches are out there and available right now? Ottawa... Man, everyone talks really highly of Paul Lapolis. I just, I don't see it with Paul Lapolis. There is a bit of uh, hangover for me from 12 years ago when he couldn't count to 12 uh, out on the field with the, the Rough Riders when he was up in the booth supposed to be doing that. Everyone at TSN raves about him, but I, I think that's just kind of sticking up for your boy personally. So I, I've never seen it with Lapolis. So maybe you could say that maybe that's a positive, maybe it's a negative that he is hanging around there. The obvious suggestion everyone is going to make is Chris Jones. I think that would be hilarious. I don't think this would be, this would be the prime spot for, this is what Chris Jones wants though, right? Is he wants full control of everything. That's what he had in Saskatchewan and then ran that ship into the ground and they have just now been able to, to work their way out of it. But he, he wants that full control. I don't think he's going to get that. Um, so I don't think he gets general manager and head coach job out in Edmonton. You would need a very strong-willed general manager if you were going to do the Chris Jones hire out in Edmonton. Everyone is talking about Mark Killam. I I think that is a fine suggestion. Um, He's been there for forever, and Calgary special teams has never been a problem. And you have every former player who's ever played for him giving endorsements, so you, you feel good about that. 
I, I would still like to see Claybrooks get another try. I thought he kind of got the raw end of the deal out in BC. I would like to see him get another go, but I, I, there are at least options out in Edmonton. In BC, they're keeping everyone, and I don't think that's that big of a mistake or anything like that. Like I, th- This isn't a dominant roster by any stretch of the imagination. I think they have the right coach out there in Rick Campbell. I think he's a very good coach. I don't know where it went wrong with BC. Well, I do know where it went wrong in BC, and that's they, they relied on a quarterback who I don't think is reliable anymore. Mike Riley is, I, I think, clearly passes prime. We can all agree on that. Those are the agreed-upon facts of the case, is that Mike Riley is beyond his prime. But I, I'm starting to wonder if he's kind of beyond his CFL starting job expiry date. I I, I was at that game, the, the BC Lions game, against the Calgary Stampeders, and it just, you never had faith in anything that he was doing. And he holds on to the ball way too long, I just think he is too flawed for this team now. I, I I don't know if Nathan Rourke is the guy. I don't know if there is another guy who's out there that you can go get. Like, everyone's talking at Ottawa. Oh, they're going to get an experienced quarterback. Well, maybe BC needs a boost of quarterback. Who? Who is out there? We saw a bunch of backups this week. Any of them blow your mind? Trevor Harris is going to go somewhere. Maybe Trevor Harris goes to BC. But look how that ended up in, or in Edmonton. Last general manager and coach to rely on Trevor Harris are now looking for work. So... Is he the guy to, to steer the ship? But I think otherwise, like there are pieces on this defense that I really like. Lucky Whitehead is one of the most exciting players in the league. Bo Burnham is still one of the best 50-50 receivers in the game. And they have a pretty good running game in BC as well. So there are, there are at least pieces there. Now they just need the most important one. In the NHL, the Calgary Flames are one of the top stories in the NHL after uh, a very successful road trip. I'm not going to go super X's and O's on this. You can find that in a thousand other places. My main takeaway from the Calgary Flames is a a couple of things. One, we are very much seeing why you pay Chris Tanev, right? Like, one year it's Noah Hannafin. This year, Oliver Shillington is all of a sudden the reclamation project. And I I will admit, I thought Shillington was done gone. Like, I I thought whatever hype we thought or whatever whatever level we thought he could get to, he just ain't going to get there. Tanev is getting it out of Shillington now, and that's been a huge reason why the, the Flames are in the spot that they are in right now. But the other one, I just feel good for Flames fans. You know, like, this... Basically since 04, this has not been an inspiring journey. They have, um, one, one thing I looked up, like in, in NBC's entire time with the NHL's rights, the Calgary Flames won one playoff series. So in the time that ESPN, like between ESPN having the rights and then having them again, one playoff series was won by the Calgary Flames. It's been, and there's been hope. There have been star players come, star players go. Jerome McGinley gets traded. You don't really get anything for him. There's hope with Sven Berchi. There's no hope with Sven Berchi. Oh, hey, Adam Fox could be talented. Have to trade him out because he doesn't want to be here. Well, maybe Dougie Hamilton is a guy. Ah, he likes museums. Well, like, it's just, there have been so many false starts with a fan base that has been pretty loyal for the most part. Um, There's a lot of calls for general managers to get fired. That's in every market. But I, I just, like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't think this means the Calgary Flames are locked in. At some point, Markstrom probably isn't going to get shutouts in a third of his games. But at least for Flames fans, there's been something to hold on to. And there just hasn't been. At least nothing real. Like, it's always been, oh, hey, this is awesome. When's the bottom going to fall out? This has been just, you can unabashedly enjoy this for a while. And hopefully Flames fans are taking advantage of that. Speaking of the joy of sports, how about the Golden State Warriors? This NBA season has just been fun like the I mean you get the fist fight the other night that's awesome you have the Golden State Warriors who 
it is just fun to watch them. I, I don't I don't even have a real, again, X's and O's breakdown. Steph Curry is the clear MVP of the first part of the season in the NBA, but they are just having so much fun playing this sport right now. You, you aren't getting, night after night, a bunch of people complaining about foul calls. I love the way the league is being called right now. And I think, again, the Golden State Warriors are just encapsulating how much fun this sport is supposed to be. It is a true joy to watch them. And when we looked at the the Lakers' chances of winning a title going into this season, it was basically, well, who else is there? Like, Golden State, maybe they can hang around, get Clay back, and make a run after Christmas. But now, it's like, they're getting Clay back after Christmas, and they're going to be first in the West. Like, that, the, the question of, well, who else is there, has been answered. And the Lakers haven't answered anything yet. They haven't been healthy enough to answer anything yet. And that has really, really hurt them. This was a team that could not afford to have the injury issues that they have had. And now LeBron's suspended for another game, but they just, they have not figured out what to do without LeBron on the floor. Uh, Westbrook, it's not worked. AD, you just beg for him to take over more games and he just hasn't. I'm, I am, I was always skeptical on the Lakers, but I was skeptical. It's like how positive I was on the Bulls and the Wizards going into the season. It's like, hey, I really like these teams. I don't know if I like them to even make it to the second round. I just like them. And it was, it, it's kind of the, the same. It was the same, but in reverse with the Lakers where, yeah, I have some concerns about them. Not to the point I'm knocking them even out of third in the NBA's Western, um, Western conference. But now you have some legitimate challengers who are making some noise. Lakers got to get some stuff figured out. Um, and also I don't want the excuses about the, the injury thing either. Oh, well, yeah, the team's been banged up. Well, yeah, when you have the oldest team in the league, this is something you should expect. I, I Oh, wow, didn't see these injuries coming. Didn't you? Because they're old. That's what happens to old teams. They get hurt. I, I, I should have seen this coming to the extent that it's come for the, the Lakers, at least to this point in the season. I still think they'll be okay because you have LeBron and... But look, also, at the same time, I thought that the Lakers were going to be fine because they had LeBron and AD in the playoffs last year, and that's just a better duo than everyone has. And they got ousted in the first round. So maybe just having LeBron in 2021 isn't enough anymore. Last one. The um, Manchester United coaching change has finally come as a loss over the weekend was enough for Ole to get the boot. And we'll see. I, like, I don't... I don't know what the, the other options out there are right now. They pick up a win in Champions League today, so that's great. The one thing I'll say is that in every sport, there is, oh, well, how hard was it to coach that team? Like the Mike Babcock stuff. Now, ends up he's not the best. But, oh, how hard is it to coach that Olympic team that he won a gold medal with? Oh, how, how, how hard would it have been to coach all those Detroit Red Wings teams? There is, I think, a value in knowing how to coach skilled players and knowing how to handle skilled players. If there wasn't, LeBron James would have won championships every single year, right? Because, oh, you have LeBron James. But I, I think there is that coaching X factor that sets it apart. And there is a reason why Eric Spolstra got more out of um, LeBron James and Frank Vogel, good coach, has been able to get more out of LeBron James than other lesser coaches that he had in his time with specifically with the, the Cleveland Cavaliers for basically since Alex Ferguson left Manchester United. Now I shouldn't say that Mourinho has a bit of an idea of how to coach star players. He's just a, I don't know. 
he's he's out there. Um, but they, they've one of the things that you you look at trying, and that there's talk again about having some coaches who have teams who appear to be overachieving, and oh well, let's bring those guys in. They try that with Moist right away, and one of the things you run into is that. There, there isn't an understanding of how to fully take advantage of these players. It, it is, it would be lovely if you just went, oh, well, this team, th- this coach got a team that's at an 80 to play at a 100 level, so they should be able to get a team that's at a 100 to 120 level. And it just doesn't work that way. You can't coach a team that doesn't have the same talent but can try really hard the same way as a super talented team. It just, it doesn't work that way, that there are different skill sets that you need to be able to take advantage of that I don't think Ole has ever been able to do, and I don't think anyone has been able to do since getting to Manchester United. It has been a team that they have spent at times, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo coming in, but it has been a team that has been kind of run like a smaller market team with a bigger market expectation this whole time, and it's it just hasn't worked. And I, I think you now kind of, once again, need to kind of turn into the Yankees of the soccer world again. And I'm not saying you have to spend billions of dollars and just bring everyone in, but you need to bring in a coach who has an understanding of how to use the already talented players that are on Man United and also figure out how to defend. But it, it just, it never, at no point since Sir Alex left, has the talent matched the strategy and I think that's been a big issue for this team. So we'll see what Man United does coming out of this firing. That's going to do it for Couch Potato Diary. Thank you guys so, so much for the patience over the last couple of weeks and for tuning in today. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. If you have any thoughts on the show, you can send them my way on social media, Twitter, and Instagram. I am at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. And the music you are listening to is provided by Wasted Talent. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you later this week. I'm out.